Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Harlow. Harlow's all-in-one freelancing software helps you manage and organize your day-to-day operations, get a full view of your clients, and get paid for the work you do, all from one intuitive dashboard. Founded by two former freelancers who know the ups and downs firsthand, Harlow is about more than just software. They're passionate about creating a supportive community for freelancers to grow and thrive. Harlow's launching soon, and if you sign up for the newsletter today, you'll get an access to a free month once the product goes live. Go to meetharlow.com slash subscribe to sign up now. That's M-E-E-T-H-A-R-L-O-W dot com slash subscribe. This episode, we are going to talk about Twitter. In particular, we're going to talk about Kaylee on Twitter because for those of you who don't know, Kaylee has a very impressive 43,000 followers on Twitter as of today, maybe even more by the time you're listening to this episode. Perhaps many of you have found out about our podcast thanks to Kaylee's Twitter. And we want to dive into how Kaylee did that, like how she grew her following and all of that. So Kaylee, I just want to I want to start with like, can you tell me a little bit about why you like Twitter? Like, why is that where you are over over any of the other places? So I first got on Twitter back in 2008, I think. So I've been there for, and maybe it wasn't quite 2008, but it was really early to the platform. And that was kind of at my husband's uh, nudging because he was already there and I was like, "Eh, I don't know. So I got on there, but it wasn't really until like the past five years or so that I really started leaning into it. And so I've been like slowly, slowly building a following there. And then over the past five years, it was like really focusing on making it not only just like my daily water cooler where I can go and check in with people throughout the day, but also a tool for building authority and for sharing things that I know and talking to people in the spaces that I work within. So like people that I know from journalism work or people that I know from client work or podcasts that I've been on or, you know, whatever it might be. It's been a great tool for building connections. And I feel like for me, especially living in the Midwest where there are not local meetups, there's no co-working, there really is not a lot of opportunity for that person-to-person connection in real life. Twitter for me has been the supplemental feeling of connection and like sense of community that I don't have in a physical way here. So not only do I use it as a place to check in with people during the day, but it's, it's kind of my source of just staying connected and not feeling so lonely and isolated, uh, because of the place that I live and the type of work that I do, because it's really, really easy to just spend every day in this box of a house and not talk (laughs) to anyone, not say a word out loud all day long. And of course, I'm not talking to Twitter, but it feels like that conversational aspect of my life that I need to feel that sense of connection. Okay, totally. Yeah, that I think you've done a really nice job summarizing what you get out of it. And I'm curious in terms of like growing the following, which I think our listeners will be interested in, can you sort of walk through like 
how strategic you were about like amassing the followers. And like, I, I want you to tell the story about sort of how it happens, but like, it seems like you've grown exponentially in the past maybe year or so. So can you talk through a little bit about like, I don't know what kind of things you're posting and and how you're engaging with people in order to sort of draw those followers in. So I have to be honest here and say that my strategy for Twitter has been 100% fueled by my husband and like totally guided by him because if it was my call, I would be tweeting out like dog pictures and like talking about the shows that I want to watch or the, you know, a movie I saw that I just liked super random stuff all over the place, basically like a diary, an internet diary. And so what my husband has encouraged me to do and what I'm seeing so many other people do these days on Twitter is really focus on a specific area of expertise and really try to position myself as the person, like the go-to source for one thing. So in my case, it's like talking about how to write well, talking about running a freelance writing business, and then also just a little bit of my like retail and e-commerce work. So those seem to be the three big buckets of things that I tweet about now. I do still occasionally tweet out something personal or a photo or like a travel story, whatever it might be. But for the most part, I'm going to Twitter and teaching. So I'm sharing what I know. I'm giving people free tips, free advice. And what that's done is just, it's led to like a lot of features within like Roundup style blog posts, which has drawn a lot of new followers in the past year. It's just like people see it in the feed. And and what my husband always says is like, okay, somebody sees your tweets in the feed and it's something totally random and off base that they did not follow you for. They're going to click unfollow. So if you can keep it super focused and really lean into one area, that those are the people who are like, ooh, I want to follow that because the stuff that they share is always good. It's really quality stuff. It's not just random. I think the other thing too with that is like it eliminates any opportunity to piss somebody off. So <laughs> you're not talking about politics. You're not talking about shows or books or whatever it might be. It's like a very safe, uh, neutral place to be where people are like, oh yeah, I can follow this. It's just good information. You know, it's not, it's not even controversial, controversial. You might have some controversial opinions about freelance writing. I mean, you might not feel that they're controversial, but you may feel confident though about those opinions. Like you're not, you know, you're not a political commentary commentator. You're, you're a writer. So you, you feel like you're sort of staying in your lane, basically and that's a safe lane to be in. It's like picking, pick a lane and really stay in it. Yeah, which totally. I don't. I don't super love to be totally honest. Like I, I don't like that approach. And I we we go back and forth on it all the time. I'm like, I don't like this because he's tweeting about like a basketball game or uh, a TV show we just started. And I'm like, I want to talk about those things. I want to share those things. And he's like, This isn't the place. Do it on Instagram. That's not what mm. people follow you for. And I get that. I do. And it seems to be working. So he's got a point. It's just you know, you it's a choice you have to make. Yeah, that's interesting because I think actually it's like interesting to me because you're so successful on Twitter, but it sounds like you still wrestle with the fact that like you've had to kind of take on a strategy and persona that you're not like 100% in love with, right? Yes. Like you're like, there's more to me than what I'm sharing here. And I'm using the strategic approach because I want to reach more people, but like it's not maybe as like true to me as, as I want it to be. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Like I do not want to filter out what other people would consider noise. Like I want to share funny memes. I want to share just random stuff that's interesting to me. And that's totally unrelated to writing, but 
like, okay, I do that on Instagram and I have like 1600 followers there compared to the 43,000 I have on Twitter. So again, like that's another case for why that specific strategy seems to work. Like people really like to know you for one thing. Yeah. It reminds me too. So like we've talked about this before because I have like a very small middling uh, a number of Twitter followers compared to you. I haven't been as successful with it. I don't think I dedicate as much time or energy to it. I also think I have a lot of trouble with like not talking about the full scope of my life. Although I've taken a cue from you and tried to be more focused on the writing stuff. Even when I'm talking about doing stand up, I try and talk about it in terms of the writing that I have to do because it actually is so much more writing than anything else. But one question that I have for you is about like how you come up with things to say. And I know like for you, you, it just seems like you're so good at having things to say about this particular topic. And like, I said, I feel like something comes into my brain, maybe like once a week and I'm like, Oh, this would be a good piece of advice, but it seems like you can sort of do it multiple times a day. So I'm curious about like how you sort of come up with things or like, and maybe it comes naturally to you, but I'm curious about how you sort of come up with the, the content for Twitter. Yeah. So I think it comes from two main places. The first one is I follow a lot of people who are tweeting about the same type of thing. So writing, freelancing, building a business, whatever it might be. And I see what they're doing. And so I'm studying those approaches. I'm seeing that they're doing lots of educational threads. Like what kind of, I look back at like my Twitter analytics and see what gets the most traction with people. And Mm. 99% of the time, it's like a super pithy one-liner that just gets retweeted a bunch because it's either super relatable or it's like, ooh, that's a good little thought. You know, that seems to be what does really well on Twitter. But the other thing too is, so in doing my client work and working with subcontractors and now with running this content remix business on the side, which is more subcontractor management, there are a lot of things that pop up during the day where I'm like, oh, this would be, other people might not know to do this. I should share this. Like, this is a good lesson learned or like, this is a good little tidbit. So maybe it's about like editing or maybe it's about coming up with ideas for posts or things to look for when writing, like how, like changing this word to that word. You're saying like you might be editing some subcontractors work and notice that they use a word and you're like, oh, I want to give them the advice that this other word would have been better. I'm also yeah. going to tweet that. Like you're sort yeah. of almost going back to Twitter to, <laughs> to, to share almost like what's happening in your head throughout the day. Yeah. And I think that that type of insight is really valuable for people because it often is like just a short little blip of information that you can share, but it's something you can use right away and it's easy to remember. And that I feel like is what Twitter is really kind of known for. Like, give me a little piece of information that I can use right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of my struggles with Twitter is that because it's so short, there's not like a lot of room for nuance. Cause like mm. some of these things are that I think the podcast is nice because we can explore a topic and talk about all the nuances of it. Whereas I feel like on Twitter, you just have this limited number of characters and it's hard to get into the nuance. And I think I'm very interested by nuance. I'm curious, like how you think about that, if that sort of bothers you, if you agree with me on that. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely not the place for nuance. And so sometimes I'll experiment with like putting a stake in the ground and taking a hard stance on something and tweeting it out. And the thing that I've noticed is it often sparks a really good conversation. So even if people don't agree, most of the time it's like we can go back and forth and have a calm, like rational conversation. Of course, there are always people who want to jump in. Like today, somebody tweeted at me, you are boring, period. Oh my gosh, really? (laughs) There's always going to be those people. It's just part of it. 
but I think it's, it's a good thing to test out. And I think you just have to go in knowing like, yeah, this is not the place for nuance. You're not going to be able to spell out all the things you believe around something that's sort of ambiguous or, or in a gray area. So it's good to have those pithy little thoughts where you don't have to get too detailed or get too like into the nuance of things. It's just not a great platform for that. I'm curious if you have, and I think I mentioned this to you once, but if you've encountered any of those, like, like, you know, you can buy those bundles of like social media posts for a year or something. Have you seen these? I haven't. Oh, you've maybe been spared because I was going to ask you if you'd sort of like recommend any of those templates or using something like that. It sounds like no, like your approach is much more organic, but I'm wondering, I guess those silly templates aside, I'm curious if like, you know, someone was trying to grow their Twitter following, if there are sort of particular strategies that you would recommend um, that they start out with. Yeah. I think consistency is really important. So not just like disappearing off the platform for days or weeks at a time. I think people like to interact with people who who they see there regularly. I think the other big thing is like find your little bubble. So like for me, I think that when I really started getting a lot more followers, it was when I started entering the D2C space. So direct oh, interesting retail. Okay. Yeah. And so there's this bubble of people there on Twitter. It's like its own little microcosm of people where they're talking about the same things and that leads to work opportunities and like conference opportunities. And you just build this network of people who are all like talking to each other on a regular basis. So there are tons of those little communities that exist with people who are like, this is what we talk about. Like we, we are the people who talk about this thing. And that's a good thing to do is like find your click of people who either write about similar stuff that you do or that are working in the same type of space that are also freelance writers, whatever it is. Those communities are there. You just have to find them and then get in there and participate. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think that's good advice too, that it's not just about like coming up with something pithy to say. It's also about like finding your people there and engaging in conversations that are more, it's more focused, right? Like for, in my case, I might be able to go after like, I don't know, B2B people talking about like B2B marketing or something like that. Although that may be broader than something like uh, D2C. Although I don't know, probably not. No, I, I don't think so. And I think you can often like start with even hashtags. So like, I think a lot of people don't use them, but it can be a good springboard for finding people who have mentioned it in the past or even just doing like a mm-hmm. keyword search. Like who's talking about this topic and like, should I follow them? Are they tweeting consistently? Do they go back and forth with people? Those are all things to look for, right? Because you want to you wanna really participate and not just sit on the sidelines. You want to be somebody who's chiming in, but also strategically follow people who are like prolific in the space. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because I'm looking at your Twitter profile now and you have 43,000 plus followers and you're following 1,021 people. So there's like, you know, 42,000 more people following you than, than you follow, which like, of course you, you can't follow 42,000 people and, and like live with that. Like it would just be insane. But can you talk a little bit about like how those people have made, <laughs> made your list? I, so I'm a super tough 
follow. Like I, for me to click the follow button and to add to the ongoing stream of information that's constantly hurtling at me, it really has to be good or uh, somebody I feel like is worth following. So I also go back through my following list like once a month. And if there's somebody who hasn't been active for a long time or that I I look through the list, I'm like, I don't ever see that person's avatar. Like, I don't know who that is. I don't talk to them. Then I take them off the list because I want to have as little noise as possible so that I can have Mm -hmm. those good conversations. And I'm not just digging through crap or just like noise or whatever. And lists are good for that too. A lot of people have lists where they'll go to a specific list where they're like, I want to talk to people who are talking about X, or I want to talk to people from this conference, whatever it is. I just choose, I think it's also like a positioning thing. So when people come to my profile and see that I follow that small of a number of people, but that many people are following me, I feel like that's a social indicator of like, I haven't just gone out and followed a bunch of people to amass this following. They're following me without me like even returning the favor, which sounds kind of effed up now that I'm saying it out loud, but I think it works. I do the same thing when looking at other people's profiles. Yeah, no, I that that it gives you some cred that you're not like just following everyone. But I think your advice about like paring it down and doing that as like part of your social media, like hygiene almost is really good. Like you saying that I'm like, okay, right after this call, I'm going to go through and I'm going to unfollow people and not to make this about me because this is all about you. But we talked in previous episodes about how I got off Instagram and I decided that with doing comedy and stuff, maybe I should get back on. But what I did was yesterday I went through and I unfollowed and muted like three quarters of my list. And I think it's it's for the same thing that you're talking about. It's like, yes. I can't tolerate the noise. It gets in the way. It makes me feel bad about myself or it just like isn't serving me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's what you're getting at there. It is. And I, I do something similar on Twitter too. Like if I see somebody tweet something that is like bullying or like totally against what I believe in that I have like a one strike policy. So like if I see that and I don't like it, I unfollow them instantly. I don't block them or anything. I'm just like, I don't need this information coming my way. Like, I don't agree with this. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. And maybe that's a very like, I don't know, one-sided way to do things, but I feel like it's a good filter for me personally. Yeah. Well, I think that also like gets at what you were saying earlier though, which is like being like staying in your lane, right? Like if people are talking about stuff that like pisses you off or like, I don't know, they're talking about like politics you don't agree with, you might be like unfollow, right? Yeah. It's like, thanks Um, for self-identifying. Goodbye. Yeah. And and that isn't, I mean, I think it's okay for people to be true to themselves. And if like, if you're like it from the politics thing, like I think like I am comfortable saying what my political beliefs are. And if people don't want to follow me because of that, that's like totally fine with me. Like it really honestly is. If they don't want to hire me because of that, like fine. I don't care. Like it does not bother me. I have near, you know, I am not like trying to shove that down people's throats, but I think you just have to be aware that sharing some things may alienate people from you. Um, I think that's, that's sort of the point you're trying to make there, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's your call. Like it's you, you own, you own your personal channel there. It is somebody else's sandbox, but like you have control over what you see in here. And so it's kind of like what you said with Instagram. If there are things that either like make you feel bad about yourself or that put you like in a negative frame of mind, you get to control what's inbound. And so I think that people often forget that. And so they get all this bad or upsetting or like 
makes you feel bad about your self-information coming their way. And it's like, you've opted into that. And so you've got to get a real sense of control over, you know, what you're letting in through the gate. Yeah, totally. So on that note, and talking about like combing through your followers and all of that, or combing through the people that you follow and all of that, I'm curious about like the time commitment of this, because like, like uh, when it comes to making lists, that always seems like, oh my God, that's going to take me so much time. Like I can't like go and organize lists. Like even going through and unfollowing people might take me all day. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of compartmentalize that activity and how much time you spend and how much time you recommend other people spend. Yeah. I am not a list maker either. I just don't have the time or patience to do something like that. So I just, Mm -hmm. I really just use like the super selective follow as my filtering mechanism, but okay. I think like for me, the time investment is probably far more than it should be. And I've, we, we've talked about that before. We talked about that in a previous episode. But one of the things I found really helpful is taking Twitter, especially off my phone during weekends, or like if I'm going to be away, just take it off my phone completely so that I can't check it. And like, I did that a few months back when we were away and like, it was totally fine. I felt like, oh, I'm going to miss so much. Like people are going to forget about me there. I'm going to get a bunch of unfollows, but like, it wasn't true. Like nobody noticed that I hadn't said anything for a week or whatever it was. So I feel like that's a healthy practice. Even if you have to do it like every night or every weekend, I feel like it's a good activity for the nine to five workday, but you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to reply and have the push notification. So this stuff is always pinging you on your phone. Again, I think it's a control issue. Like you get to say when that information is coming your way. So I don't have push notifications. You participate. Yeah. yeah. I have like some boundaries around that stuff. That's been really helpful. Otherwise it can get super out of control. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about like, I mean, even on a daily basis, well, I guess what I'm wondering, and I think it's important for freelance writers to consider this is like how much you feel that Twitter is you know, something that feels good to you versus like a total lead generation machine. And I think this is different for everyone, but I'm just curious about how you think like other freelance writers should think about using Twitter. And like, just, I'll, I'll sort of answer what what I think before you go, just so you, so you can end the episode with your advice. But like, for me, Twitter is more about building community and I, I don't see it as much as a place to generate leads personally, but I do see it as a great place to connect with other freelance writers, to promote the things that I'm working on, like this podcast, um, to have conversations about things that matter to me and to have that sort of water cooling community that you talked about. And, and for that reason, I'm not sure that it makes sense for me to invest as much time in, in it because I'm like, it isn't like a lead generating activity for me. So I just want to be careful a little bit, (laughs) although it could be a lead generation thing for me. But so I'm curious for you, like, how do you think about that? Like, you know, is Twitter making you money and does it matter and and all that? Yeah. I think Twitter has been probably the number one, like best time investment for my business because it's, I don't know, maybe it's this, like I said, this little community or niche that I'm in, a lot of people are there. So by having such a strong presence there, it positions me as the go-to person for the very specific thing and service that I offer. So when Mm -hmm. a client within that space needs somebody to help with blog content, like 14 people say, oh, talk to Kaylee. 
you know, they'll put the question out on Twitter and then everybody's like pinging me like, Hey, this is the person to talk to. So it's been great for that. I don't know that it's true for every niche. So you kind of have to take it on a case by case basis, but it's almost like Twitter is like, okay, you know, in the sixties when like Patty Smith and everybody, Jimi Hendrix hung out at Max's Kansas city in New York city, or like the Chelsea hotel, like that was the salon for them. Like that was the Paris salons of the 1920s. I feel like in a way, Twitter can be a modern virtual version of those little salons where people are having those conversations and it's like a very specific focused group of people. So if you find your salon on Twitter and you really lean into it, it takes some time, but it can be really, really helpful for authority building, for lead generation, for like opening doors to new opportunities. So like speaking opportunities or podcast guesting, whatever it is, I just think there's a lot of good that comes out of it. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing all your thoughts on Twitter. Now I have all kinds of things to get to work with on my own. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. 